Have you ever looked at your shower drain and thought, how do I still have any hair left on my head? Well, you're not alone. You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 31 of season two. In today's episode, we speak to Dr. Sada Kiani about hair loss, factors that can cause it, and what we can do to prevent it. And make sure to stick around because we also chat with Puri about her most recent and personal struggles with hair loss. Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. I can't believe it's taken us this long to talk about hair in general. When we have it on top of our heads, it's there, it's present, it's part of our identity. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, the reason being, I think, honestly, is because personally, I've been struggling with, I feel like it's like hair loss, hair thinning, whatever it may be. And it's because, you know, all of us haven't caught a break since, I don't know, 2016. It's been like (laughs) one stress after the other. And obviously, stress can cause and aid hair loss and hair thinning. And I think this is like a stigma that a lot of us don't want to talk about. But I'm happy a lot of people are starting to talk about it because the reason I feel like we haven't spoken about it is because we think we're the only ones dealing with it. You know what I mean? But now more people are coming on social media and saying, hey, I'm going through hair loss. I'm going through hair thinning. And I feel like a lot of people are stepping up after they read those posts and be like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. Yeah, because ever since we started talking about it on our snaps and whatnot, and then even our guest, who we have incredible guest, Dr. Asada Kiani, and then we also have Pari. We have two women today on yes. our episode, in our episode episode so it's pretty awesome so make sure you guys you know after we're done with our conversation with Dr. Kiani stick around for our conversation with Puri with Puri we really talk about just how much suffering she's gone through with alopecia I think that's just a a completely different form of hair loss and it can be very triggering to some you know to deal with something like this especially how sudden it can happen but Puri is somebody who I don't know. To me, she's just such a strong, strong person. She really is. Again, this is my perspective because you never know what somebody's going through. But for somebody like her to be so open and honest about going through something like that, I, I really genuinely commend her. And Dr. Sada Kiani for always having her Medical Monday post. I absolutely love them. But I was like, I think it's time for us to talk about this. Yeah, because we're always complaining about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm always complaining mic, about it. Yeah. My mom was always complaining about like seeing hair everywhere and everything. <laughs> like you know, wherever you are, it's like, oh my God, who's shedding all this hair? But it's just us women and our long hair and... But then at the same time, you know, after we debunk some myths, we also talk about the facts when it comes to our hair. There's a lot of things like there's a lot of misconceptions, too. It's so sad that like, like you said, it's taking us this long, but I'm glad that we're debunking a lot of myths that I thought were true about hair care and taking care of that thing on our head that we're constantly complaining about. It's funny because my niece is very, she gets like really like disgusted from hair. And when I went to go visit. Does she not know that she has some on top of her head? No, but like if she sees a strand of hair, she'll like cringe and like give it to me like this is yours. 
hours. I hope and she it would just have so, a phobia of it. It was just so funny the whole trip when I was visiting my family. She would come up to me like Nana, and then just give me a piece of hair, and I'm like, this is even Thanks my niece is noticing me. that exactly. my hair is coming off my. Yeah, basically. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. But I do have one question for you guys because I said it in a snap the other day, you know, and I think it's a really interesting question, especially because like we're always just talking about being more grateful, being more present, and just looking at our hardships as just like a blessing in disguise. She was asking, my sister was asking a question in regards to would you rather go back 10 years into your past or would you rather go 10 years into the future i'm going to tell you what i what i'm choosing i won't say why yet but i feel like i would rather go back 10 years what would you choose okay so i'm like kind of stuck in the middle Mm -hmm. because i feel like a part of me i'm happy i've been through what i've gone through and i've learned from those experiences and I feel like if I was to go back and avoid those mishaps avoid that heartache then I wouldn't be the person I am today and the part of me goes well I would like to see what's going to happen in 10 years and and be ahead of everything that I'm dealing with now but we don't know what struggles we're going to be dealing with the 10 years okay that's such a good answer because yeah you that's the thing like you can jump to the future because you're sick of the present but it doesn't mean it's going to be better <laughs> it's a, yeah it doesn't but you know I always think it is good there's always goodness in everything yes. but it doesn't mean that you're going to be free of struggle no. That's so, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. That's so true. My uncle, because again, we posed this question when we had our family over, but my uncle's like, you know what? If you knew what you, your future entailed, then everybody would be jumping into wanting to go to the future. Let's just say somehow you are going to have a, a beautiful family, uh, an amazing career. You're going to win the lotto. Who knows? We're not supposed to be playing the lotto. But you guys know <laughs> what I mean. He's like, you guys would jump at the idea of like going to the future. But he's like, we fear the unknown so much. We do, yeah. Yeah, that we, we, would, we would never choose the future you know what I mean that's such a great point yeah and then for me the past I don't know about you but I've just have had so many moments of nostalgia or nostalgic moments yes okay yes yeah I don't know is it maybe because we're more at home and whatnot or are we just like being more grateful for the things that we have now that I'm looking back in my past and I'm like man I was so ungrateful but yet those were the best moments of my life like I wish I can go back to those moments and just like dive into my childhood again and enjoy everything it's so crazy you said that because once the pandemic really did hit and everyone was staying at home I was like god I wish I was like back living with my you know what I mean like I'm surrounded by my siblings and I really enjoy those times but take me back to those days and I want to be like I want to get out of here there's so much I want to do there's so much I want to see we really did not appreciate the moment we're in and I think that's why right now I'm trying to be very mindful and just very like appreciative of the time that I'm going through even if it's not the time that I want to be going through I'm still here and I still need to be grateful for it so I think the lesson in this all is basically be more present and yes. enjoy it because there was this office um you know you watch the office oh right? my god yeah like three times Bernard is that his name I what? forgot whatever Andy yeah Andy <laughs> I can't believe it like I literally watched that show like twice over I can't believe I forgot his name but he said he's like you might be living in the good old times right now I like that. right I now it's such a good good point and it kind of made me tear up because i'm like man that's so true yeah. it really is like yeah you typically don't tear up at the office but that was such a moment yeah. of truth so i mean i teared when michael left i'm just saying oh yeah that, that was for <laughs> sure but i hope you guys enjoyed this episode make sure to stick around with our conversation with Paris, and then of course our unfiltered afterthoughts as always thank you guys and let's dive in let's do it
Welcome, Dr. Sada Kiani. We are so grateful to have you on. This is a conversation that it's affecting a lot of women, including Zane and I. I'm having a bad hair day today, but not only that, I think because I've had my hair up in a bun for the past week, and Zane and she too right now, <laughs> that when I like you know go to shower my hair, it's like so much falls out, and that's because it's like the whole entire time I've been having my hair in a, up in a bun, so it hasn't been falling out. So it's just like a little traumatic to see all that hair on the floor. I just went into a whole spiel about me. <laughs> but can you please introduce yourself, Sada, so our listeners can know who you are, and then we can really just dive into this conversation. So thank you, Zana and Donia, for having me. My name is Sara. I am a board-certified family medicine physician. Um, currently, I'm working in an acute care setting. I'm also married to a physician. I'm originally Pakistani, and I have four beautiful daughters, and uh, I'm definitely going through that postpartum hair loss myself, so I get where you're coming from, even though we may have different reasons why we're having hair loss, but that's what we're here to discuss. We're going to talk about hair loss in women specifically, because it is just such a hush-hush topic, probably because it's a very sensitive topic, and a lot of women feel like it needs to be talked about. That's exactly what we're going to do. This is one of those topics where you don't realize how many women are going through it until you start opening up and talking about it. And, you know, sometimes I look at the shower drain and I think, how do I even have a strand left to my name? Like, oh my it feels gosh. like, and my husband gets, like, so annoyed. He's like, you're clogging up the sinks, you're clogging up the drains. And I'm, that's why I'm so happy that we're finally talking about this. But let's talk about why hair loss remains taboo, especially in women, when in men, it's something that they kind of deal with almost regularly. I think it's because hair is a part of everybody's identity, whether you're men or women. But yeah, it's a little bit more sensitive for us women to talk about it because first of all, I get scared a little bit. Like I'm like, oh my God, why am I losing my hair so much? Like you guys, I used to have really thick, like very, very thick hair. And then as the years have gone by, and I don't know if it's due to age or due to stress, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I just feel like I've been losing a lot of my hair. It's not what it used to be. And yes, I feel like I thought I was struggling with this alone until we opened opened up about this topic on our podcast, on our Instagram and whatnot. And so many women were sharing the same thing. It's like, it kind of in a way feels good that you're not alone, but then it's also kind of sad. It's like, why are we struggling with this? And why are we struggling with this alone? When it comes to just dealing with hair loss, why is it harder for us women to talk about it than it is for men? So let me start by giving you a stat. So about 60% of women experience hair loss at one point in their life. Wow. So 60% is a huge amount of population. And this is specifically in women. This is why I personally think that um, male baldness is not as hard to talk about is because we connect that to a genetic link. Mm -hmm. If we see a guy walking down the street or a guy in our family and he's balding or he's showing signs of balding, we just automatically assume, oh, well, his dad, you know, he was bald at this age and nothing to worry about. But when we see women and, you know, culturally also, it plays a huge role because when we see older women, if they see you after a long time, they're like, oh, what happened? Your hair, it's so brittle. What did you do to your hair? You dyed your hair. So I think a lot of it has to do with this. It's part of body shaming, to be honest. It is. It, it really does. So I think women then struggle with talking about this. That's so yeah, true. I feel like for me, my hair is something, I mean, my husband's like, cut your hair short if it's falling out too much, but I could never see myself cutting my hair short because I kind of feel like my hair has become part of my identity and especially the long hair. It comes like a, like a security blanket for me. And I think, you know, when we talk about hair and we talk about, like you said, body shaming, this is a part of self-esteem. This is a part of your confidence. And when you look at the shower at the end of, you know, at the end of the shower and you see the majority of what looks like the majority of your hair 
falling down, it's kind of like it takes a hit, I think, at your self-confidence and your worth, I think, in, in your state of mind. Yeah, like I think even if you wear the hijab or you don't wear the hijab, you still are surrounded by loved ones and friends and family who can't see your hair and whatnot. And it's just like, yeah, you don't want that to be the topic of conversation. No. Oh my gosh, what happened to your hair? And yes, that's true. Like when I was young, like anytime like my extended family would come over, it was the topic of conversation to talk about how voluminous my hair is yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then of course we go back to the the evil eye and all that <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, mashallah, mashallah. But it's like, sometimes you can't escape the inevitable. No. And personally, me i'm not a doctor but i don't think anybody's immune to hair loss and it could happen to anybody at any age basically but we did want to put a disclaimer out there you know sada mashallah you are a doctor zayn and i have our own personal hair journey and whatnot but again at the same time we can't stress enough that these are just general tips this is just a general conversation about hair loss yes we're going to be open about our own hair loss and hair thinning but we can't stress enough that you have to consult with your doctor specifically also a dermatologist because when you think about your hair where is it growing out of it's growing out of your skin we definitely advise anyone who is listening to please consult with your doctor before you try anything. Absolutely. Even our even simple tips. How about we talk about our hair in general, Sada? Like, where does it come from? Why? How often does it grow? How long is it supposed to grow? Why are we experiencing hair loss? Can we like just jump right into that? Yeah. So before we jump into just the topic of hair loss, we need to understand the cycle of the hair. We need to understand what hair is and the fact that we lose hair it's actually pretty normal so if we know what is normal hair loss we're able to determine if we're actually having abnormal hair loss so that's a very good point to know in order for us to differentiate hey do we need to seek medical help or not and there's a, a lot of these are actually whatever we're going to talk about today a lot has to do with external things that can cause hair loss right but so let's just start with how much hair we have how many hair follicles we have so the human scalp contains approximately 100,000 to 150,000 hair follicles so if you take that into consideration then when you look at the drain <laughs> in your shower, you're like, okay, well, alhamdulillah, I still have like a lot of hair. Majority of my hair. <laughs> my hair. So, you know, the part of the hair that we see on the outside is not really the main mass of our hair. The main mass comes from the inside part, okay? And there's four different segments that go deeper down the scalp that we actually see. We're not going to get into like the medical terminology or anything, but there's just a lot more that goes on on the inside that causes it, right? So once the hair is formed, it undergoes this lifelong cycle, right? It's characterized by periods of growth, it's characterized by periods of transformation, and it's also characterized by a period of resting phase or the losing phase, okay? So 90% of the time, our hair follicles are growing, okay? And then the catagen phase, which is, it is basically a transformation that's occurring deep down inside our scalp that we don't really see. And that ends up leading to the telogen phase, which is the resting phase. And right after the telogen phase, we go through the growth phase again. So as soon as you have that resting period, you restart your growth phase, all right? So three different phases that we kind of go through that are normal. What exactly is the resting phase? Like, what is our hair doing in that resting? Because growth phase, we get it. Our hair is growing. It is constantly growing. But we technically don't always like, you know, we don't focus on that so much. We're focusing on the hair loss or the hair and the drain and whatnot. But what about the resting phase? What's going on in that period? So the resting phase literally lasts two to three months on our scalp. Oh. And it is about 10% of our scalp follicles are in that phase at a time. And it's basically when your hair starts shedding. And right after that phase, 
our hair goes through the growth phase again, the follicles do. That makes sense. So basically, like you said, 90% of our hair is always in the growing phase. It's growing and whatnot. And then the 10%, which is what we see the hair shedding and whatnot is when it's in the resting phase. I didn't even know that there were phases. And that's the thing, like sometimes like we just look at our hair as just this one big thing that's on our head and oh my God, I'm shedding. But if we only learned a little bit more about it, I think it would calm our anxiety just a tiny bit. Oh yeah, just hearing that statistic to me was like, okay, that's reassuring. I'm not gonna lose all my hair at once. Uh, One time I went to a hairstylist, I was like maybe 22, 23, and she told me that losing hair was just a part of puberty. And I'm like, I'm 23, I'm not going through puberty right now, but maybe this is what she was trying to explain and just didn't really know the terminology or know that it was different phases and not technically puberty. You know what? I didn't even know also another fun fact was that a single hair strand, you guys, can have a lifespan of five years. I did not know that. So it's like there's a piece of your hair that stays with you for five years and I'm constantly thinking like it's just like not brand new hair, but it's, yeah, you yeah. don't think about how many years your it's hair the same is on hair your head. I had five years ago. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Hair loss and the factors that cause it. Other than stress, which we're going to definitely talk about, yes. what are some other factors, Sada, that you think that or that you know, actually, that cause hair loss slash hair thinning? For the next conversation, everyone try to keep those phases in mind because that's going to help us to understand what we're going to talk about. One of the most common causes of hair loss is genetics, right? So over 90% hair loss is due to genetics. And then, so family history plays a huge role. And then autoimmune also comes in. There's a lot of other things, including what medications you're taking, what other hormonal conditions you're going through. So like polycystic ovarian syndrome, thyroid disease. You can also have postpartum hormonal changes. Okay, you could be going through a lot of stress after a major illness or after a major surgery. You could be going through psychological or mental stress. Just keep in mind that there's a huge range of causes of hair loss, right? And if you're concerned about any of these specific medical conditions, make sure you talk to your doctor about that. But we're pretty much going to touch base on the most common reasons why we feel like hair loss is seen in women. And one of them being also diet, moving on from genetics and autoimmune diseases, can we talk about also our diet? So a lot of people don't realize that our diet, what we put into our bodies is what we're going to eventually see, right, on the outside. And this is what I kind of want to touch base on when we're thinking about the hair cycle. Because remember, we talked about the resting phase, right? It lasts about two to three months. However, if you have external factors like a poor diet, external stress. So what happens in that resting phase, that hair will actually go through it for a longer period of time. So you will experience a longer period of hair loss just because you're going through that external stress. So that's how the cycles come into play, that you're basically prolonging that resting phase, right? So you're skipping that growth phase and you're just staying in that resting phase for a long time. Well, I feel like, you know, genetics obviously is something that we can't control, but our diet is in our hands. We have control over that and we can control that resting phase lasts longer. And I feel like that to me is something that I'm going to take into consideration. Because like stress is part of lifestyle. It's like, how are you living your life? What is causing you the stress? Why are you going through these stressful situations? And then, yeah, when it comes to what we eat, we don't really often think too much about what we're putting in our our bodies. Like we eat a quick breakfast, we eat a quick lunch, we eat a quick dinner and we 
we've had conversations about how we need to be present while we're eating. So we do see what we are consuming and how vital it is to, you know, eat healthy foods. And because our hair is like made up of keratin and it is a form of a protein, that means that it needs protein too. Like you need to feed yourself protein. And we don't think about that. We don't think about how like, okay, my hair is made up of a protein. That's a fun fact. We didn't know that. But I should also be consuming protein in order to help my hair to grow, to continue growing because you don't want a large chunk of your hair in the resting phase. You want it to be in the growth phase, again, as much as you can control. And I feel like diet is something that we do have control over. Just like you said, Zena, genetics, yeah, they do play a huge role, but there are some things that we can, you know, kind of almost hinder the hair loss, period. So what kind of foods, like you said, you mentioned proteins, what other kind of foods can we consume to help promote hair growth? So just to give you guys a little number, so try consuming at least 15 grams of protein at each meal and then aim for a diet that's high in healthy fats. A lot of people don't think about that. So avocados, coconut oil, salmon, sardines, almond butter, all that stuff is good fat that you should be consuming. And try to avoid the refined sugars, the refined carbs, you know, that we have in these pre-packaged meals, all these drinks that we drink. So try to avoid those. The other thing that you could include in your diet is bone broth. And bone broth, I don't know about you guys, but with my parents, like if you're sick, bone broth. So that's like the treatment for everything when it comes to our moms. I see so much online. I like literally like, so many people are post like their bone broth recipes and when like they'll add it to their dinners and stuff like that or their lunch. And I was like, wow, like I didn't even know how important this little meal is and how, how much it could help your body, especially your hair. Because it contains collagen in it and collagen is part of your hair, right? So that's why you need bone broth. The other thing is get plenty of leafy and starchy vegetables, right? Because they provide a lot of minerals to your body and they're going to nourish your scalp and your hair in in turn. And then obviously getting your vitamins, if you're around that childbearing age, make sure you're taking your prenatal vitamins and even after you give birth, take your prenatal vitamins. So yeah, cleaning up your diet is a huge part of this journey. The other day I had an annual physical and we did blood work as normal. And I noticed that I had like very low vitamin D as that's just something that I have. I've been trying Every to get Chicago in. Yes, exactly. I started taking my multivitamins and I noticed a difference in my hair and my nails. It was kind of like my body was starving for these vitamins and minerals and, and all these things. And I was kind of like, no, you can't have it. And then finally, <laughs> when you when I take it, it was like literally a week after I started taking it, I noticed the difference. That's such a good point. I have multivitamins. I bought them, you guys. And I don't take them. I need to start taking yeah, them. Yeah, like because, my nails yeah. don't grow like they grew so long. My hair, I feel like it's starting to feel like it was before. So I feel like that may be it for me. Yeah, I'm lacking in the multivitamins department, but I do take biotin. Like I actually buy like the capsules, the biotin capsules. I forgot what name brand I use. Maybe I don't want to even say it on air because again, everybody's hair and skin and nails are different because there was once where like, the, the vitamins worked really well for me, the biotin, but it made my friend break out. And I don't oh, yeah. want that to happen to anybody. So yes, there's going to be some, you know, trial and error with all the with all these tips and whatnot. So try what works for you, see how it works. And I don't recommend trying everything all at once too, yeah, yeah. because you might not be able to pinpoint what is and what isn't working. But when it comes to diet, you guys, I started including eggs in my diet. That's also a protein that's really, really helpful. So eat eggs for breakfast, eat salmon for lunch or dinner, add a salad to all that good stuff. So th- these are really, really good tips. So I can't thank you enough, Sada, for that. But let's go 
back to stress. Not a lot of people know that maybe you're stressed out now or maybe you were stressed out at the beginning of the COVID period, what, back in February or March, and you're just experiencing hair loss. I don't think anybody knows that you experience hair loss three months after that stressful point. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. We continue to be in stress because of this pandemic. And if it's not the pandemic, it's the fires. It's something or another in 2020 that's keeping us in this stressed out phase so in turn, it's keeping our hair in the resting phase, yes. right? So we keep losing hair. So how to deal with stress? That's one of the things that we should probably incorporate in our daily routine to kind of get back into you know a healthier mental and physical status. So there are also, you guys, I don't know if you guys knew, but there's also like different types of stress related to hair. Like there's significant stress that can literally push the hair out of your follicles and into like the, into the resting phase, basically what you were saying, Sada, like it could push all of your hair into that resting phase, which is like, that's not what you want. No. You want 90% of your hair in the growth phase. And then there's some people where, again, maybe us three can't relate, but there are people out there who, when they deal with stress, they pull their hair too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You see that. This, I, yeah. yeah you have to know somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually a medical condition. It's called trichotillomania. I've seen that in um, young teens who have been who have anxiety or depression, and they'll come in. How I can diagnose that just by looking at someone is that they will have literally hair at different lengths because they what they do is they're studying and they're stressed out, so they'll just twirl their hair and they'll pull it right without even knowing that they're doing that right or if they're stressed out and they're cooking or they're driving or they're at work they'll just be like playing with their hair and unintentionally be pulling it out so when we examine them as physicians we'll see that they have different hair lengths because they're in different growth phases right because once you pull it out they'll start regrowing at different stages. Well, this, I feel like Zena's this, worried now. No, I like touch my hair a lot. And I'm like, I gotta you start do. touching my hair. Zena but, twirls her hair so much when yeah. we're recording. But, and, but, the, but see, it's like a, I don't know what it is. I need to keep my hands down. But I mean, I'm thinking to myself, like the amount of the impact that stress has on our body. You know, we talk about our mood. We talk about weight gain and weight loss. But to think that it affects the, our hair growth and it can stop our hair from growing, I think is such a powerful thing. And I think it should encourage everyone to kind of develop stress control techniques. That's exactly what I went through. Because, okay, when, when you really think about it, like I said, when you are stressed out at one point in your life, Three months later, you're noticing significant hair loss. That's going to kind of cause you to become stressful all over again. So like you said, Sato, we're in continuously in this stressful phase of our lives and we have to find ways to calm ourselves down. I can't stress enough how important it is to find things that can calm you down, not just even just due to hair loss, but just in general, your mental health and how important it is. Something that I started doing, which I never thought I would do, is yoga and meditation. Yeah. And it really helps you guys. If you go to YouTube, literally just go to YouTube, search 30 day yoga there's like this 30-day yoga plan where Ooh. each day it's the same instructor and she teaches you different yoga moves and it's like you know day one versus day 15 versus day 30 you start learning more techniques and it becomes a habit it becomes very habitual and I think it's very very important that especially during this time especially because of the pandemic and because all of us are facing certain things behind closed doors it's really really important that we do change our lifestyle but we also take a breather and we really focus on things that can really calm our stress and calm our nerves let's not stress about hair loss to yeah. cause more hair loss. Exactly. We do not want that. So one thing to understand, like why does stress cause hair loss? Because when we get stressed out, our body starts secreting pro-inhibitory hormones, right? Or pro-inflammatory hormones. So when we have inflammation deep down inside our body, when we're taking vitamins, right? But we have gut inflammation. 
the vitamins are not going to absorb in our body. So you could take your biotin, you could take vitamin B12, you can take vitamin D, but your gut's not going to absorb it because you're you're having that overall inflammation going on. So the pro-inflammation that comes on actually with stress is what causes this hair loss. I absolutely agree that managing stress is is a huge thing, especially during this pandemic. You know, find what you like to do. A lot of people are disheartened because we cannot go out, we can't be with friends, we can't meet meet with family members. And that in itself is very stressful because a lot of people have maybe their parents or their grandparents who are not who aren't in their best health and they want to see them. They want to be be with them, but they can't. So we have to be able to take care of ourselves and figure out a way that we can relieve this stress, even if we are at home. And yoga is a great thing. I never believed in yoga couple years ago I was just like I'm more of like a hit girl (laughs) and I like my cardio but then one day one of my classes got canceled and all I had no choice but to go to yoga so I go in and I'm like you know what like I'm the only one who can't balance and this is kind of embarrassing because I'm sitting here trying to do hit training but I can't even balance right and then at the end of class you know when they tell you to close your eyes take a deep breath and just release all the stress release everything that you're thinking like the outside thoughts and I can't even tell you how relaxed I was and that was that was a game changer for me you know what Sara I think we just don't know how to slow down and yoga know. for me I was like oh, what is this gonna do for my body it's just slow movements I mean not all yoga because there's hot power yoga and I went to that class as a first time yoga person or whatever you want to call me I sweated like no other it was a it was a workout it was not like no meditation it was a workout <laughs> but there are the slower moving yoga classes and I think it's because we try to live our lives in such a fast paced you know way and that's our lifestyle it's very fast paced we're just moving 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 we're always on the go that to us yoga seems like we're just it's slowing us down but really we need that period in our lives we need to slow down we need to take a moment in the morning instead of checking instagram jump on youtube like i said find some you know find a yoga class that you like or a yoga instructor that you like and just start your morning that way like i said instead of jumping on your phone or jumping so quickly out of bed and rushing into your errands or into your work or whatever it is do some yoga do some meditation in the morning and it could really really help you out and i know like you know when we hear this from white women we roll our <laughs> eyes but come on we're like middle eastern women here you're also south asian michelle look so it's like we're people who can, I think we're relatable. So yeah. if we're saying yoga works for us, it really does work, you guys. It really does. Even if you don't want to open up yoga, yoga focuses on breathing. So lay in your bed. As soon as you open your eyes, just take 10 deep breaths and just think about, even if you want to think about your day, think about what you're going to try to accomplish during your day. Just take those breaths because when you focus on your breaths, those thoughts automatically will leave your mind. You're going to be meditating and you won't even know it. Good point. Can we discuss your personal journey with hair shedding and hair loss? Because recently you went through your postpartum journey and you opened up on social media and you discussed this with the rest of us and it kind of triggered this conversation. And that's why I was like, we need to have it. And I love that, you know, we have different perspectives on this. Zane and I, we didn't go through a postpartum journey, but we have our own issues and why we have hair loss. So if you can talk about your postpartum journey, and I feel like a lot of other women can also relate to you. As a lot of you may not know, I had a baby four months ago, which is usually around the time we start seeing postpartum hair loss. So when I kind of shared it on my Instagram, it was really like the first couple of days that I noticed it. And I I just automatically knew that, okay, it all connected. I'm four months postpartum. My hormones are getting back to pre-pregnancy hormones and 
it's going to be rough for the next couple of months. So why does post, why do we lose hair postpartumly? So during our pregnancy, we have this like surge of hormones, estrogen goes up, progesterone goes up, and it really helps keep our hair from falling. Not that it helps it grow, it just keeps all the hair there. So that's why our hair looks more voluminous or more shiny and all that because we have all these happy hormones. Okay. And the other reason why we have such healthy hair during pregnancy is because our blood volume increases during pregnancy. All that blood is going through those follicles. Our scalp is getting a lot of nourishment, all right? So it's preventing the hair loss, right? So again, it's not like we're growing new hair, we're just preventing hair loss. We're preventing that resting phase. So now that our hormones are dipping down four months later, well, the resting phase is like, yay, it's time for us to, you know, start falling. And there we go. So postpartum women actually can lose, lose up to 400 hair a day. So remember we, how we talked about usually we lose about 50 to 150 hair a day. Well, postpartum, you can lose 400. So of course you're going to freak out and think that you're balding, right? Hopefully it only lasts a couple of months. Different women experience it at different stages. Like for example, when you're starting to wean your baby, let's say you're eight months postpartum and you're just starting to wean your baby you may start to experience that at that time. It's gonna happen one time or another, but again, not all women experience it. Like for me personally, I experienced this with my firstborn five years ago. And that's why I took the preventative measures super early during this post-pregnancy phase, because I knew and I could recognize it. And I was like, okay, so I need to do some things to kind of control this hair loss. Two things. Basically, I did not know this, that when you're going through your postpartum or when you're pregnant, I thought you're growing a bunch of hair. It's really just your scalp is holding, your follicles are, are holding on to the hair that you have at the moment and you're not experiencing hair shedding. I did not know that. Secondly, what preventive measures did you take? Because yeah, you had your first baby, you experienced the hair shedding, the hair loss at that point. What are some things that mothers can do to prevent excessive hair loss during their postpartum journey? So one thing actually we didn't touch on when we went to diet was talking about malnutrition and talking about lack of calories, which kind of play into a role after we deliver a baby, right? So everyone is so eager to jump back into shape, jump into that pre-pregnancy weight that mothers are starving themselves, yet they're still feeding the baby. So they're really lacking a lot of micronutrients, which are, which are really important for your hair. So that's one thing, I started cleaning up my diet. So it's not like I was consuming 3000 calories, but what I was consuming was very nutritious and I was trying to stay away from junk food, from snacking. So those were one big, one of the biggest changes I made. The other thing is I wear a hijab and I'm used to putting my hair up in a high bun, you know, for the hijab. And when I go to work, sometimes my hair is tied up like 12 hours a day. So when I come back, and try to brush my hair well I'll just see clumps of hair coming out so that was another thing that I started noticing I started making low ponytails I always kept my hair in a braid I still do so when I'm at home I rarely just keep my hair down unless my head is really hurting I'll usually just put it in a loose braid so it prevents me from touching my hair and from my hair to fall out so those are those are two big things the third thing is I got a nice trim. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So um, just because it lightens your hair. So when you know you're in that postpartum phase, you know you're going to have hair loss, right? I already knew I was going to, but I thought about it. I was like, how can I help it from from losing a lot of hair, right? Like from from losing 600 hair a day. So my hair was almost till my mid-back. So I went and chopped it all off, and it's till my shoulder now. 
And that instantly helped my hair loss because I wasn't just like walking around and just shedding hair because now my hair is lighter. Exactly. It's not holding you down. Like your scalp, all these follicles are not holding such long, heavy hair that sometimes we do need to trim. I know majority of us like the long hair look, but honestly, what's the point of having it if you're just going to continue losing it and then you have all these split ends? But you brought up a good point, hijab. Yes. Can we talk about hijab and is it related to hair loss? Obviously, I just want to debunk this myth. Hijab is not related to hair yeah, loss. Yeah, and that's not, good to know. Yeah, it, it doesn't cause hair loss. But can we talk about why it doesn't cause hair loss? Because a lot of people maybe are unsure and they do assume that hair thinning results because of wearing the hijab. So I started wearing the hijab three years ago. To be honest with you, my hair is one of my, my favorite parts about myself. And it always was. And even after wearing the hijab, it still is. So I absolutely agree that Wearing the hijab does not cause hair loss because I didn't experience any of that. When I did experience hair loss, it's because of my postpartum journey. So a um, couple of different things that could contribute to losing your hair if you do wear a hijab is, again, putting it up in a high bun, high tight ponytail, wearing those rubber bands that are super irritant and abrasive to your, to your hair. The other thing is if you don't let your hair breathe. So our hair is an appendage, right? It's just like our skin. It's just like our face. So if we don't, we're wearing those masks, right? And if we don't let our face breathe, we're going to break out. Exactly. So it's the same thing with our hair that we have these sweat glands. They're called sebaceous glands inside our scalp that nourish the hair. But at the same time, if we start producing a lot of sweat, they're going to get clogged and your hair is not going to get enough nourishment. So if you have a tight hijab on all the time, then you're probably running into that problem. You know, I feel like for me, like right now, I have a, my hair in a high ponytail, but I did switch out from like those regular black rubber bands to like scrunchies. And I feel like that is making a difference to, for me because I'm not pulling out so much of my hair when I take my ponytail out or my bun out. So I feel like this is also advice for people who don't wear the hijab. Exactly. Because that's what I was going to get at. Like what you're saying, Sada, is don't wear your hair so tight. Don't wear it up so high. The reason why we shouldn't be wearing our hair up so high and tight, you guys, is because you're obviously pulling onto the hair from your scalp. And that's why we see from us women like our perspective you're experiencing a lot of hair loss right where your forehead is and that's because that's where you're putting so much strain and I'm guilty of this I remember when I was young I used to even go to bed with my hair up in a bun and my mom used to always tell me do not put your hair up in a bun while you're sleeping let your hair breathe and I was like yeah yeah whatever mom obviously side note our moms are always right listen to your moms like they know best you know what I mean they went through their own hair loss journeys too you know so obviously they're helping us out but another thing is braids that's really a great tip right there for for anybody that wears the hijab and if you don't wear the hijab put your hair in in a loose braid it's better that way just don't tug so much at your hair that's right at the scalp that's i think the most important thing and then when you did mention like sweating there's a lot of hijabis that work out they love working out why not so what tips do you have for women who do work out that do wear the hijab i mean should they have a deep conditioning treatment after every workout or what do you do in that instance when you are sweating and you have to take off your hijab and it was right after a workout what i personally do when i work out is either i have a hoodie on and i'll wear a loose hijab on my head and i'll just pop up my hoodie especially if i'm going out running or if i'm working out in a gym or what i'll do is again do a loose hijab sitting on top of your head it's not tied or wrapped around it's just sitting on top of your head and then i wear a cap over it so those are two things that i constantly do when i go work out to kind of let my my scalp breathe because i know i'm going to start sweating Right. And I just don't want that gunk to kind of settle in my hair follicles because that is 
initis for yeast infection as well, which is another reason why we can have hair fall. So those are two things that I do. Either loosely just have a hijab on just to, you know, kind of cover up my frontal area and then pop a hoodie or wear a cap on top. Those are great points because I think we forget that our hair comes out of skin. Like that's like the biggest organ, I guess, in our body is is our skin. You know what I mean? So it's like I think we forget that our hair follicles and everything like that, it's embedded in our skin. So it's like, yeah, when you do wear the mask and we talk about mass acne and whatever, there's also you can also cause like a lot of just irritation in your scalp can cause so much inflammation in your in your scalp if you're not taking care of your hair. And then again, you don't have to wear the hijab or not. Like even us, the rest of us that do work out without hijab. Yeah, you're you're sweating at you. You have all these sweat glands and stuff like that so you do have to take care of your hair you do have to wash your scalp make sure that's really clean and tidy <laughs> and squeaky but have any of you ever tried a scalp massage do you guys do scalp massages or no because i was reading about that there is um very promising reviews i guess i don't know if there's actually been a study on this to do a reverse scalp massage so basically you invert your head so either you lay down on your bed and invert your head like you're just looking down and you start massaging your head because what you're doing is you're taking all the blood flow and bringing it to your brain and then you're massaging and stimulating it even more so your hair can grow. And people do this every single day. I just don't have it in me to do it yeah. with four kids running around. Yeah. Else I I really would. Like if I were you guys, hey, if you have if you're doing those breathing exercises anyway, just lay on your bed with your head inverted, pretty much invert your head, and then just give yourself a nice massage while you're taking deep breaths. So what you're doing is you're relaxing yourself, you're massaging your head, you're stimulating more and more nourishment and that blood flow that's going in your brain. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) And it reduces stress and anxiety too, you guys. So not only are you helping with your hair growth, you're also helping reduce your stress and anxiety. So it's like you lay on your bed upside down, your head is dangling off your bed a little bit, not too much because you don't want so much of the blood rushing up to your head. (laughs) And then yeah, just slowly massage. You want to do it for like three minutes. So of course, don't dangle your head so much that you can't like you turn red. So just enough that you can survive those three minutes laying upside down on your bed and massaging your scalp. So yeah, do that every day. Oh, it's like the best part of going to a salon is getting your head massaged by the stylist. I feel like I would pay just for that. One thing when you do your scalp massage, you guys use pressure. I think that's really important that you use pressure, but don't use your fingernails. Like you don't want to cut deep into your scalp here. Like this is supposed to be a relaxing moment of your day. Maybe you could start your day like this or end your day like this, but use pressure, do it in a circular motion. Make sure you get the back of your head too. I think sometimes we forget to get all the way deep back, get all of your head. Are there any serums or oils that we should also use when we're doing our massage so i think there's a lot of oils out there and i don't have a specific favorite but i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are again nourishing our scalp with oil so basically if you have dry scalp you are causing hair loss right because your hair is dry it's not nourished so when you're putting oil you're hydrating your scalp but then when you're massaging it you're also stimulating it so i think the combination of oil massages is good because of this because you're kind of giving the blood supply, you're giving it hydration for a healthier scalp. I use the the oil by Aram. She was actually oh, on I our just podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just bought it. it. And it smells so good and it's not greasy. But again, this is my personal recommendation. That's your re- personal yes, recommendation. Yeah. And my husband uses it and he loves it. Yeah, it may, it, yeah, it is. It's unisex. So it may or may not work for you. Again, this is not a plug. We love Aram. <laughs> She's amazing. But it, it really works for me. I love it. And I also love it because it's not greasy. That's another yes, thing. Yes. So I, I like putting oils. And you know what's also when it's a good time to put oils too in your hair is when you before you work out too. You're going to wash your hair regardless. 
regardless. So might as well let that oil sit and let it hydrate your scalp as you're working out and let it let stay it there marinate. a little bit longer. Yeah, let it marinate. Because sometimes it's like, it's it's hard to just put our oils and then we're just like going about our day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want to do that. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. How about washing our hair? How often do you guys wash your hair? For me, it's like every two to three days. It yeah. depends also on my workouts as well. What about you, Zayna? Two or three days. And like you said, it depends on how much I sweat, how much yeah. how much oil is in my hair. How oily your hair yeah. looks, how dirty it looks. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Sara? Yeah, same. Two to three days. And then if I'm working out every day, then I'll definitely wash it every day. But I think a lot of people have this thinking that we shouldn't wash our hair every day. So recently I was reading up on this and I realized that the hair is still going through our cycle. So whether we take a shower or not, we're still going to shed that hair. So if we end up showering two days later, well, guess what? We're going to probably experience double the hair loss because we just had it tied up in a bun and we didn't shower thinking that I'm not losing hair. So that's one interesting thing that I was reading up on recently that got me thinking like, hey, that is true. Like, I'm going to try it next time. Like, if I don't shower for the next two days or wash my hair, do I experience more hair loss versus if I was to shower every day? So that's something I'm going to I'm going to try to think about. That's a good point. Experiment for yourself. Yeah. Because, yeah, we've always heard all our lives, the more you wash your hair, the more hair loss you're going to have or the more hair shedding you're going to have because your hair is wet. And that's an- another thing, you guys, when your hair is wet, try not to brush it out so much and and if you do use a wide tooth comb again you don't want so much harshness you don't want to pull the hair out of the hair follicle like that's the most important part yeah that's what I struggle with I still brush my I even bought like a wet brush I don't know if those work but Mm. I feel like that's something I have to change yeah so I I definitely I've been doing this for a while actually when I get out of the shower I don't instantly brush my hair so I don't keep my hair wrapped in a towel either for a long time so I'll wrap it till I get dressed right? And then I'll kind of dry it out with a towel and I'll let it be. So I'll go and do a couple errands here and there, 10, 15 minutes. By that time, my hair is not super wet. It's just a little damp. And then I start using a wet brush. Wet brushes are amazing because they're not hard on your scalp and they don't pull out a lot of hair. But I think the biggest thing is not brushing your hair as soon as you get out of the shower. Like there's no need to do that. Like, <laughs> What's the point? You know what I mean? It's Your hair is still wet. So why are you brushing it out? True. Yeah. But these are great points. So search wet brushes, yes. get yourself one or a wide tooth comb. But I think wet brushes are the win here. And then you mentioned something about towels. You guys, one thing that I didn't realize is drying our hair with towels isn't the best idea. Get yourself a microfiber towel, not the harsh towels that we use for our bodies. Like, think about if we're using something for our bodies, should we be using it for our hair too? No. And then you have the hair turban, um, Zia. Yes, the hair turban. I is bought the, it. My, yeah, it's, yeah, I love it. I got it off Amazon, I think. Microfiber towels. Don't brush your hair when it's wet. And another thing is we should be washing our hair with lukewarm water, mm. not steaming water. I know we love our steamy showers yeah. and whatnot. I get out of the shower red. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so bad. How do you still have hair? I don't time? know. You're doing everything wrong. Uh, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this just before we started this conversation. I just took a shower and I was taking a hot shower and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about hair loss. And then I'm like shedding all this hair. And I'm like, you know, one of the things is don't ba- don't take a hot shower. Now, here I am in a steaming hot shower. That's a great point because, you know, a lot of these things that we are discussing today, we all know about. Yeah. It's just a matter of actually following it. Like, how much do you care about your hair to avoid this stuff, to avoid the the hot showers, to avoid that refined sugars, to actually avoid the heating tools, which we'll probably get to next. But 
how much do we really care about our hair? Obviously not enough, right? Because we're still doing it. Exactly. We're still taking hot ass showers. <laughs> I love it. Zana's like, yes, same over yeah. here. But I think so true, you guys. Anything that we usually have a conversation about and how we want to just like better our lives and our lifestyle, it just takes small little changes. But it's up to you. Do you really want to change? Do you really want to better your lifestyle, your body, your health and all that? Of course, yes. But you you can't just miraculously have amazing hair and the best of health and all that stuff if we're not taking the right steps towards that. Like that's the most important part is, you know, making the right moves and, and you know, swapping certain things out and whatnot. So another thing that's really important is when I go to bed, what kind of pillows do I use? What kind of pillowcases do I, I use? I heard this, yeah. What do you use? I use a regular one, but I heard the silk ones are like the way to go. And that's what I have. Switch. I've been using silk pillowcases for the last five or six years. Wow. And it makes such a difference. Because you guys, when you think about it, when you're sleeping, there's a, you're causing a lot of friction. You are moving your head back and forth and whatnot. So I use silk or you can also use satin if you don't care for silk. You can also obviously use satin. Is that what you use, Sada, or have you not implemented that yet? So I do cotton just because my girls have eczema. But silk is a great idea. I wish I could do silk, but that will probably affect my daughter's eczema too. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's not worth well, it. what's more important now at this point? So you yeah. got to level certain things out. But again, yeah, you use what tips you can and what you exactly. can because not everything works for everybody. I mean, that's, that's like the whole purpose of this conversation. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned hair tools and hot tools, and I feel like, a lot of us are guilty of putting that iron on the highest setting and that blow dryer on the hottest setting. Guilty. But obviously that's not the way to go when you're styling your hair, correct? Yeah, absolutely not. So heating tools, and I know a lot of companies sell these preheating or heat protectant items and serums. You know, like how much research has there been about these products? I personally don't know, but I don't think there's much research showing that, oh, it is really protecting your hair. So this again comes down to how much do you really care about your hair versus how nice of a blow dry do you want when you go out tonight? You know, I that's a great point, because I was reading about the whole like settings on your hair. Look, you know, your the, the styling equipment that you use, you don't have to use the highest setting. That's what people that at the hair salons use. That's what they do on your hair. The highest setting. Obviously, they're trying to give you the best blowout like you were saying Sara. yeah and the quickest too that's another great point they want you out of the chair they want the next guest and whatnot but you can use a lower setting it's going to give you the same results regardless i think in my head like i still to this day today i came to your house before i did i styled my hair on the highest setting possible and i did it twice because anytime <laughs> i curl my hair it always falls out so i curl my hair twice you guys it's like how much more damage can i do for my hair i don't know the one thing that i'm getting better at is not blow drying my hair right away when i get out of the shower it's okay to let your hair air dry. Let your hair air dry for, and they say to allow 70% of your hair to be air dried. Like allow that to happen. And then the rest of it, you can go over a blow dry just so you're not putting that heat so much so on your hair for that long you know, for long periods of time until it's completely dry. Again, I know sometimes we want to run errands. We, we got to get out of the house. So maybe even when you plan your shower too, when you plan washing your hair, I plan my I hair too. washing days. I, That's, do I don't know about you guys, but I do. Like it matters because it makes a difference. It's like, how am I going to plan out my week? For me, when it comes to my hair, it's an event. It's like having to wash the long hair, having to dry it, having to style it and all that good stuff. It's just too much work. So, I've been going natural lately. Like I'm not even putting tools on my hair except for like weekends or I the days I know I'm going to see yes. people but I keep thinking of like you know when you're when you're ironing your hair when you're curling your hair and like you accidentally like nick your skin and you get like your forehead and the pain that you feel it's like you're putting that heat on your hair yeah, like it's so crazy true. that is so true and then shampoos what shampoo do you use Sada 
Like, do you have any recommendations? Again, everybody's hair is different, but if you have any, or maybe what are some ingredients we should make sure we avoid when it comes to purchasing shampoos and conditioners? So I would probably avoid sulfates and harsh chemicals in your in your shampoos and your conditioners. I personally use Head & Shoulders. It's a very affordable, very low-maintenance type of shampoo. And you know what? I've been using that for a while, and it's worked great for me and my family. It hydrates my scalp because I naturally have dry skin, dry scalp. So I feel like it's working great for me, but everyone has a different preference. I use, what is that brand, Kerastase or something? How do you say it? Whatever, it's like one of those salon brands. Again, I used to always just use whatever brand. I never used to care, but I, when I noticed when I'd go to the hair salon and they'd use it on my hair, I really loved it. And I think it's sulfate-free. But on the flip side, my sister uses Suave. And like when she went to <laughs> her hairdresser. hair, Michelle. That's exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's like when she went to her hairdresser, her hairdresser's like, you might as well use dish soap on your hair. That's how bad Suave wow. is. But it's weird because you do see my sister's yeah. hair, Michelle. Beautiful, Michelle. She's going to kill me. <laughs> whatever, Hassan. But it's like, it's interesting what works for you. Everybody's yes, hair is yes. different. But there are some techniques when you do shampoo your hair, though. They say keep the shampoo at your scalp. Like, don't shampoo so much so the bottom of your hair. You should put the conditioner on the bottom of your hair. I never knew that. Yeah, because like, it's dry. The yeah. ends are dry. It exactly. needs more nourishment. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I did not know that. I was literally, when I would shampoo, just like lather I would up. do all that, especially <laughs> the bottom. I was like, oh my God, I got to do the bottom. I rinse and repeat. Do you guys rinse and repeat? I do, yes. Yeah. So it depends on how expensive the shampoo is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember once you bought expensive it's like $45. Like one time I bought some crazy ass expensive Was it Balmain or am I making things up? It oh. was Balmain because oh, I was too embarrassed to tell my salon lady I didn't want to buy it. So I bought it. And that was just, that was not a rinse and repeat, but usually definitely rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I am too. I really hope these tips help you guys. Again, this is just more of an honest conversation from our personal experiences. We're not, you know, prof- well, we have one professional. You, you're a professional. We're but, not, definitely. But Sada can also agree that please still consult your primary doctor, whoever your family physician is. Make sure you, you know, if you're experiencing a lot of hair loss, hair shedding, there has to be a deeper issue. You know what I mean? If you're noticing more than 100 hairs a day that you're losing and you're not going through postpartum journey or whatever, talk to your doctor. I think it's really, really important. Again, if it's anything stress-related too, if you really 100% assume it's stress-related, seek professional help too, you guys. It's really important that we do talk to others about our issues to make sure we get the right professional help when it comes to that. You don't want to continuously feel like you're stressed out and you're just stressed out about your hair, stressed out about your job, your life, and everything. Like, you know what I mean? We deserve a break. Honestly, all of us deserve a break but are there any other things that you want to just leave off with the sada that you think we didn't mention or any other last tips or piece of advice for anybody that is right now like you know just i guess struggling alone with their hair loss journey yeah so the biggest thing i would say is that you guys are not alone just between the three of us we're all experiencing it and we're all doing it again for different causes for different reasons um so just keep that in mind and if you need to talk to your doctor about a certain condition that you may think you have like we talked about touch based on hormonal conditions like thyroid for instance or we talked about pcos polycystic ovarian syndrome talk to your doctor be like hey i'm having x y and z symptoms but I'm also having hair loss, so I'm kind of concerned. And you should really confine in your doctor because they will give you the best advice moving forward. Um, And then talk to your girlfriends and get tips from them because 
you won't know till you ask. Like I learned so much from you guys today from, from just having this lighthearted conversation and it's, that's all it takes. It just talk to, talk to your friends, talk to your family and adapt those tips and hopefully, you know, you're going to have some luck. Honestly, it could be a few tweaks or it could be, yeah, where you have to seek professional help from a doctor. But again, this is really important. You should still, regardless, check yourself out, go and get a physical and whatnot. Zaina loves physicals. (laughs) I I love like I can like literally like take my blood work and then like all of my questions are answered and I know what's wrong with me. I know the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And I need, that's what I'm saying. Like Zaina's constantly checking up on herself and I think that's incredible. That's amazing. And I, I want to get to that point. I can't thank you enough, Sada. Honestly, you're incredible. This was such a good conversation. We learned so much from you, to be honest. Like there were so many great tips and I, I really hope that this conversation helps you guys. I definitely want you guys to stick around because we do have Pari coming up next where she's going to discuss alopecia areata because that's something that you brought up, Sada, and that is an autoimmune disease. And we do want to talk to her about, you know, her struggles and because alopecia is just a little bit more heightened. It's a heightened form of hair loss. So again, this is something that a lot of women are also going through. So I hope you guys stick around and we can't thank you enough, Sada. Thank, thank you, you Sada, so much. so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's been exactly one year since we first spoke to you. And I got to say, Elfma Brook on having the most beautiful Mashallah baby boy. We are so, so happy for you. When we saw the post, once you announced his birth, I swear to God, me and Dunyo had like tears in our eyes. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can't believe it's been exactly a year. And I was looking back on uh, photos from this time last year, and I had a belly the size of like 10 basketballs and I remember you guys (laughs) wow you look like you're ready to pop and I still (laughs) didn't believe that I would get a baby out of all of that and alhamdulillah now have this beautiful little baby boy who's almost one inshallah he's 11 months because we were talking on the phone I'm like wow time flies by because it was just the other day like we said you're right but like in front of us we're just talking about you know pregnancy journey and everything like that and then mashallah here we are fast forward 11 months later and it's like your baby is just like a month away from being a year old it's crazy. It's just a pan Allah. Like seriously, how fast time flies. And if anyone deserves this, alhamdulillah, it is definitely you. Oh, thank you. I'm so blessed every day. I literally thank Allah for this baby. And almost every day, I'm like, I can't believe he's mine. I'm so lucky. <laughs> it's a blessing. It's interesting when you're able to physically hold your blessings. It's a whole different experience, honestly. Because like, we have blessings in our lives and stuff like that. But then it's just to, to be able to physically hold a blessing that was truly meant for you, that Allah willed for you, it's just a different experience altogether. How is motherhood for you? How's everything going? Because I mean, this is your firstborn. This this is, you know, it's a different experience. It's the first time you're, you know, you're a mother. Yeah, honestly, like from the moment I held him in my arms, I felt like this is what I should have been doing my entire life. It just felt so natural. Like I didn't even think about life before him from the second I held him in my arms. Like nothing, nothing made me happier. And yeah, Alhamdulillah, it's just been such a blessing. He keeps me on my toes. He keeps me super busy day and night, but in the best way and the best way possible. I I can't stop hugging him and kissing him. And he's probably going to get sick of it one of these days. So I'm going to take it right now. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like take advantage of the moments that they can't push you. Yes. yes, We're all teenagers once. (laughs) But they can't be like, stop mom. You're annoying me. Like, yeah, definitely take advantage of that. Definitely. So now you're in your postpartum, you know, journey and you're you're going through the waves of that and the waves and the motions of that. How's that going for you? And if you want to talk to us about, you know, just post having your baby, post baby birth and dealing with postpartum. 
Yeah. So I kept hearing that the first year is the hardest and I had no idea what that truly meant until I became a mom. Physically, it is the hardest thing in the world. Alhamdulillah, I've been blessed to have a very stable um, emotional experience postpartum, but the physical aspects have just been unreal. Like it's been one thing after another and things that you just don't prepare for or don't expect. So I'll be very honest. It has been a struggle physically. But again, the joy of motherhood, just holding the baby and seeing him grow every second of that just overwhelms you with love and happiness. So it makes you forget about the physical pain and struggles and difficulties. It's almost like a balancing act, right? It's like, yeah, you you can't kind of quiet down these physical ailments or whatever you are going through physically, but then subhanAllah, your baby's right there to remind you of like the pain was worth it all, of course, because you have this blessing in front of you, but it's, it's a hard balancing act. And when it comes to just the physical that you're going through, the physicalities of post-baby, post-birth, what, what exactly are you going through? So it's funny. So before I gave birth, my biggest fear was the pain of labor. And that's all I thought about. I'm like, how am I going to get through this? Alhamdulillah, the actual birthing process wasn't, well, no, it was difficult, but nothing compared to what I experienced afterwards and what has been going on for the last year. So I had um, an emergency C-section after 60 hours of induced labor. The pain of physical recovery from the C-section was unbelievable. It took me six weeks before I could walk down even one step. I couldn't go down a single step. So I couldn't leave my apartment for the first six weeks because we had to go down a flight of stairs. It was really hard. And then after that, I also had postpartum hemorrhaging for two months. So I didn't realize how severe it was until I saw my doctor. And again, it ended up being something kind of shocking. It was a rare complication that happens in some women. I had placenta accreta where the uterus, sorry, the placenta remained attached to the wall of my uterus. And I had to have two surgeries to remove that two months postpartum. And recovering from those surgeries was incredibly painful. So every time I thought I was getting over the hurdle of one physical complication of birth and motherhood, another one would present itself. So it's been a lot. It took me, I think, until four months postpartum where I physically felt I was capable of holding the baby and looking after him by myself without anyone around. Before that, I was just totally incapacitated physically. My mom had to bathe me for almost the first two months. Wow. You know, you mentioned earlier, you really can't prepare for this because you hear the stories of other women and what they go through, but you're like, you know, I'm physically fit. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to bounce back into my pre-pregnancy genes. Like you have all these ideas and you really don't know what postpartum will look like individually for you until you actually experience it. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. But like you said, seeing that baby and seeing his smile and hearing his giggles and being able to play with them, alhamdulillah, does triumph over that pain. But it does not minimize what you went through at all. Yeah, definitely. And the balancing act is really, oh, it's so real. I mean, I remember my mom would yell at me like, don't hold him on your stomach. Don't feed him like that. It's going to cause your your incision site to get damaged or like cause you more complications. And I'm like, I don't care. He just, it feels so good to hold him close to me or like on top of my belly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the pain melted away as soon as I would hold him 15 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, it's just like 
there's the whole like you know we just pr- discussed prior with Dr. Sada about hair loss, especially during your postpartum journey. But you you suffered it to another level because you actually had alopecia areata. Can we talk about that and just your experience with that and what is it exactly? Yeah, yeah. So I started losing a lot of hair when I was about four and a half months postpartum, and I thought like everyone else, this is what you hear about postpartum shedding. And I had a lot of friends who were mothers who would complain to me about how severe their postpartum shedding was. And even, you know, a few of them would say, I thought I was going bald. So the whole time I was like, okay, cool. This is what, you know, normal moms experience. This isn't, this isn't abnormal. This is like part of the process. And it wasn't until a few months into that where I really started to lose more and more and develop some bald patches where I stopped and I was like, wait a second, I wonder if this is still postpartum or if this is something else. And it was actually my mom and my um, husband who asked me to to get seen by a doctor. They're like, this doesn't look normal. Please like have someone check you out. And then I got diagnosed with alopecia areata. So that's an autoimmune disorder where your body basically attacks its own hair follicles for no good reason at all. Like it's just ridiculous. It's like, this isn't this isn't your your enemy. Like, go fight the viruses. Right, like, exactly. Fight the bacteria, fight the viruses. Don't attack my hair follicles. These are cool. These are your friends. Like, chill. Right? I wish you could, like, talk to your body like that, but it just nope, yeah. doesn't want to listen. Yeah, for some reason, like, your autoimmune system is just, like, on hyperdrive and thinks that your hair follicles are, you know, the enemy and they it has to get rid of them. So there's nothing that has an on-label approval for alopecia areata specifically, there's nothing that's been tested and approved with an FDA indication for alopecia areata. But there are things like dermatologists have in their arsenal that they use to treat it like steroids, which are kind of, you know, a general panacea for like a number of different disorders and diseases. So they can be effective in some people, in some cases, and others they might not be. So that's the treatment typically for alopecia areata. There are some new treatments that are starting to come out and are in clinical trials, but nothing that's been yet approved, nothing that cures it. It's been quite an experience. (laughs) How does this make you feel? Because we talked about this earlier on. It's just like, you know, I feel like my self-esteem, my confidence is tied to my hair. And I do feel like my hair is part of my identity. So if I were to go through, which I'm going through, I feel like right now, hair thinning, but you're going, you actually have alopecia areata. How has that made you feel, you know, looking at yourself physically, because this is a physical ailment that you can actually see that what you're going through. Yeah. So physically, you know, you tell yourself it's, you try to tell yourself, okay, it's just hair. Don't be superficial. Like, Thank God a lot, you know, alhamdulillah, that you don't have something worse going on. Alhamdulillah, that it's not something that's debilitating. But at the same time, you know, like you said, it's part of your identity. It's It, it makes you who you are on the outside. When you look at yourself, you're used to seeing yourself with a head of hair, especially as a woman. And um, unfortunately, you know, society does tie a lot. There's there's a lot connected with women's beauty and their hair. And I think, you know, we talked about this before, but you have one bad hair day and you're like, oh my God, exactly. I can't go outside. I can't go to my favorite place for brunch. Like I don't want anyone to see me. And then, and then you have a lifetime of not just a bad hair day, but like no hair or almost no hair. So it can be demoralizing. It can cripple you. And to be honest, when I first got diagnosed, I just hoped and prayed that there was something physically wrong with me, which sounds awful. But 
at least I'm like, if there's something physical they can pinpoint to, there's medication for it. There's some drug that they can give me that'll help me fix it. God, please let it be my thyroid. Like, please let it be this. Please let it be that. And then when I heard the diagnosis very clearly within two days from two different dermatologists, without any hesitation, I just started crying. I just cried my eyes out. And I'll be honest, you know, I I pride myself on being a really strong person. A lot of that's tied to my iman. Like, I truly believe whatever happens happens for a reason, and there's some benefit to everything. We're even if we don't notice it or realize it right away. I tried for like two weeks to rationalize this. However, I could. Every time I looked in the mirror, I just cried. I didn't recognize the person I was looking at. I was just like, who is this person? This person looks like someone who's sick. This looks like someone who has a disease. This looks like someone who doesn't know how to look after herself. Someone whose body isn't functioning the way a normal woman is supposed to. And I don't know, I kind of tied it back to fertility in a, for a brief moment where I'm like, I had so much trouble having a baby and having fertility issues. I didn't feel like a woman when I was going through that for a while. And then I'm like, now I'm losing all my hair. I, again, for a moment, didn't feel like a real woman. So it was tough. The first like two or three weeks was really tough emotionally and just trying to make sense of it. And I went through all the phases of grief and one of, I actually spoke to therapists about it and I'm really glad ever since I started seeking therapy, it's helped me cope with it a lot better, but she described it as like, this is a loss. This is something akin to any type of loss in someone's life. You're losing what you knew to be your identity. You're losing something you had your whole life and suddenly it's being taken away from you. You need to give yourself the grace to cope with it. It's okay to feel sad. I think I was also fighting my emotions a lot because of the COVID pandemic and people dying from that, all of the racial and social injustice that's going on today and the and with the political climate, I just felt guilty for feeling bad about something so superficial when people have their actual lives at stake. And I just didn't let myself really grieve or process it the first few weeks because of those things. And then when I spoke to the therapist, she helped me see that it's okay. It's healthy. You have to let yourself feel. That's so, so powerful because I know a lot of women right now can relate to what you said. I mean, I can 100% relate. I'm sorry that you're going through this and that you've gone through this. And I'm glad that you brought up grief because I feel like, yes, when I do lose a part of my identity, you know, I need to allow myself to grieve that. And I think, you know what, we, we live in an interesting time where it's another balancing act that we have to perform as balancing the world's trauma of what's going on externally outside of our homes, but also trying to make room for, you know, the things that are going inside of our own homes, but in, within our four, four walls. So it's really hard because I think we try to take our own trauma, our own little personal you know, hardships and obstacles, and we compare them on such a grander scale, something that's affecting more millions of people. And then, so in a way, naturally, that minimizes our trauma, our troubles and stuff like that. So it's it's hard. And I think this is why also I do recommend talking to a therapist because, you know, you can really trick yourself into thinking that whatever you're going through is not a big deal. That And, and not only are you battling alopecia, but you're also battling your emotions, ba battling your ability to actually cope with this and allow yourself to grieve and allow yourself to cry over this because it is a loss. So when you have a therapist, you have somebody that's outside of you that's telling you that you're feeling 
are validated, that you should do A, B, and C, that you should not restrict yourself from feeling sad for yourself because you should feel sad for yourself in certain times. You know, five, six, seven years down the road, you know, you're suppressing your emotions now, but like I said, five, six, seven years down the road, these emotions are going to come back up. And I don't want them coming back up when I'm at a different point in my life. And that's what I'm going through at this point. But it's no way in comparison to, yeah, you're physically dealing with this right now. And it's hard. It's hard to look in the mirror. And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of us women, it's it's hard for us to say that, oh, I can't look at myself in the mirror. People are like, oh, stop being dramatic. But it's like, I'm talking about my own personal experience. And this is something that I'm not used to seeing. Yeah, exactly how I felt. Like I would look in a mirror and I'm like, I don't know who that is. That doesn't look like me. I know what I look like. I've looked a certain way for a while. And yeah, it's vain. It might be vain. But again, at the same time, it's just our identity. As women, we have hair, women's hair loss. It's real. It happens. But it's not common in the sense that it's not something that you're raised with to expect to happen. You don't grow up thinking, okay, at this point in life, I'm going to lose hair or I'm going to lose all my hair. So the fact that this is something that you expect to have throughout your life that just gets taken away from you, it is a big deal. It does make you feel unlike yourself. It makes you feel like less of a woman even sometimes. And it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror when what you see doesn't reflect who you think you are or who you think you have been. It's been hard, and I won't lie. There are still moments where I get a little sad Most of the time, I've come to a place of acceptance and being happy, being happy with where I am in life, alhamdulillah, but being content with my current situation, even with alopecia. I'm not happy that I lost my hair. I want it back. Every day, I wish that it was back to its former glory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I look at pictures. I look at pictures from two months ago, even. I'm like, oh my God, I still had that much hair. And it was so, it was beautiful, mashallah. And I I appreciated it while I had it. It's not like I didn't appreciate it, but now I think I appreciate every last strand that's left on a new level, even though I look like Pee Wee Herman. Girl, you still you are beautiful, yes. Michelle. You Michelle. are absolutely beautiful. And I <laughs> and I want to say, you know, you're allowed to feel your feelings. And I feel like that's a, been a theme on this podcast for quite some time. Like you're allowed to be sad over something, quote unquote, superficial, un, you know, superficial, whether it's hair, whether it's any part of your body, because like you said, that is your identity. And as I scroll through your Instagram and every time you give us some updates on your story or post, I really have to say I admire your honesty and your vulnerability because there are so many women dealing with this. And we've spoken to Mel Kalamawi, who has a form of alopecia. And yes. We've spoken to other women who are dealing with certain things things like this. And I feel like you coming out and being open and being vulnerable and showing every side of what you're going through is so I think inspirational for a lot of people who are going through something similar. You know, you talked about growing up and not seeing that or not knowing that that would be something that you would have to deal with. Well, now you're kind of making it a conversation, I think, for a lot of women or girls who are experiencing what you're experiencing. Exactly. Even though what you have doesn't have a cure, the conversation can truly help so many women that are dealing with this behind closed doors. Because when we talked about it on our podcast, so many women were like, oh my God, I'm going through hair thinning. I'm going through hair loss. This is not making sense. And a lot of them, yeah, it was also during their postpartum journey. I think what we really, really struggle with also is this loss of control. Like, yes, you're physically losing something, 
But this loss of control is, like you said, we don't, nobody prepares us for it. Especially when you, you have no control over this. You have, there is no cure at the moment. So it's like, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that behind closed doors when you know that you have no control over something? What, is, what are ways that you've been coping with, with, you know, just not being able to be in control of what's going on? Oh my God. Yeah. Good question. So my, some of my friends jokingly call me the Monica of the group. <laughs> oh, I love it. I I'm absolutely like, love really it. OCD and controlling yes. and not being able to control something. Oh my God. <laughs> that's like your nightmare right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, with everything else that's ever happened, I'm like, okay, what can I do to fix it? And I'm very solutions oriented. Anytime I see something wrong with someone, I'm like, okay, how do we fix it? What are the solutions? And this one, um, so a little bit of background. I actually had alopecia when I was younger in my 20s. I had two flares of alopecia areata when I was 24 and then again when I was like 29, 30. Those instances were very, very acute compared to this. Um, I had like one or two spots of bald patches and they were small bald patches and I recognized what was happening immediately. So I immediately got treatment. Like I took control of the situation and I could because there was nothing stopping me from doing so. I wasn't breastfeeding. There wasn't a pandemic that made me terrified to go to the doctor's office. So I was able to handle my situation and take control and handle in those instances. Like it worked. It got better after a few months of treatments. In this instance, I'm breastfeeding my infant, which is very important to me. And it's a personal thing. I know doctors have said you can stop breastfeeding him at any point now and he would be totally fine. And I get that. But the comfort it gives him, how much he loves it, it just makes him feel so reassured, so nourished, so nurtured. And it just makes me feel even more connected to him on a level that I can't even describe. So I'm not ready to stop breastfeeding him. And for us, it's the best thing right now, which means that most of the treatments for alopecia areata are off limits for me. Those are like steroid injections into the scalp directly and some oral medications that are stronger steroids or um, new medications that have come out that are in clinical trials that are showing a lot of efficacy. I decided to trade off breastfeeding relationship with my baby for potential hair regrowth. And then also, to be honest, I'm scared to go to the doctor's office unless it's an emergency or, or it's critical or it's something I really need, like, you know, vaccines or whatever. I don't want to put myself at risk or put others at risk by exposing multiple people to different germs or whatever right now. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm just a little bit more um, cautious of doing things. So I feel the COVID pandemics made me feel out of control the situation with not being able to get the right type of potentially effective treatments makes me feel like I can't take control. So talking to my therapist, I actually figured out how to how to reframe that need to control. I can't control those factors, but I can control how I react. So rather than letting this hair loss control and define every part of my life, I'm going to continue to live my best life because alhamdulillah, physically, I'm capable of doing anything. It's not physically debilitating, right? That's how I started to rethink about this. I'm going to keep living life to the fullest because I'm so blessed to be able to right now. And this is something that's happening. I'm going to put it in the background. It's something that I'm doing what I can do about it. I'm doing a couple of topical treatments and a lot of natural and um, homeopathic like 
oils and stuff. For us personally, Pari, mashallah, you're just radiant. And I think it's always like what's the inside that just kind of exudes through you. And that's what we see. And I know it's different for you because this is your body, your hair. That's why you're going through it. But for us, it's just like when I look at you, you're, I don't know, it's just, it's so easy to smile. It's so easy to be just joyful in your presence. And we can't thank you enough for that. And I feel like you touched upon a great point because like COVID was the first time that we all collectively felt like we lost control of our lives and it was something that was out of our control it was something that also instilled fear in us but I feel like when we do lose control the one benefit I guess is the way we shift our thinking like you said it's it's coming out of our comfort zone yes forcibly but sometimes you have to go through certain things in order to grow in order to mature in order to to become the person you are meant to become and I feel like if I'm just gonna keep accepting blessing after blessing after blessing I'm not gonna change I'm just gonna be you know just relishing in all these good things that are happening to me I'm not gonna grow in those moments it's in the moments that I'm pinned against the wall and I have no other option but to trust Allah that's when I'm growing. That's when I'm becoming the woman that I want to become. And I feel like also, side note, it, it's amazing to have a platform where we do discuss our hardships and our struggles and we can all you know, relate to one another through our pain and whatnot. But there's a very fine line between just only consulting with friends and family and then versus actually seeking professional help. Because for a while, you know, again, to no one's fault, but your friends assumed that it was just postpartum hair loss. And you could have continued to believe that and not treated yourself. And this goes for all things, not just hair loss, but just anything in general. How important is it to you to actually, yes, take that next step to seek professional help? Because I know we are all scared of doctor's offices. We're also scared of finding out things that we don't want to find out about what we're going through. We just want to, you know, ignorance is bliss. So when did you, I know it was your mom and your husband that told you to finally seek help, but how important is it to take that next step? Oh my God, it's so important. I think, you know, before something escalates to something worse, you need to really make sure, well, one, I think you should ask yourself, is this something that I would regret if I didn't find out sooner or do something about it? There's some things that you can, I guess, you know, leave by the wayside, but most things in life, I think if it's health related, especially the longer you wait, chances are the worse the outcomes could possibly get. And I think that's what happened in my case too. I kept bashing it aside, like, you know, no pun intended. (laughs) I was like, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. It'll resolve itself. And everyone's like, oh, it should, res- it should get better by six to eight months. And then by one year, you'll see that it, your, all your hair is back to normal. So when I was at eight months and I saw that it was just getting worse, I asked, you know, my husband and mom had actually been on my case for two months before I even thought anything was wrong. And then I posted on Instagram, actually, to my amazing community and everyone. Oh, my God. Everyone who follows me there, you guys are just the best. You guys helped me through my fertility issues and helped me like really take control of that. And then this, when I posted this, everyone on there responded with, this isn't normal. This is not normal postpartum hair loss. Like definitely see someone. And I am so glad I did. Again, like I hoped it would be something simple, like your thyroid levels are off. So take this drug and you'll be back to normal. And that could have been the case, you know, that could be the case for a lot of people. So, you know, rather than suffering for a long time, you could really get the help you need professionally, figure it out and be able to take charge of it or control it or treat it and get back to normal, get back to a healthier state. You know, in my case, at least I was able to start topical treatments. Otherwise, maybe I would be 100% bald right now rather than like about 80 percent or so. But if I had taken charge sooner and seen a doctor earlier, I probably would have lost far less hair than I did. 
because I could have started treatment earlier. And I think that goes, yeah, again, with a lot of things. And tying it back to fertility, again, especially with fertility, like, don't wait. Just see someone. It doesn't mean you have to do anything. It doesn't mean you have to take medication. Just at least someone who can give you their professional opinion and diagnosis. I think a lot of us avoid going to the doctor because we think it's going to be something so crazy. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes, like you said, it's something as, as simple as getting a blood work, a blood test done, figuring out your levels, taking some medication. And other times it's not. But I think having that answer, yeah, it's not the answer you wanted. But I think having that answer can help lead you to a path of, you know, tre- getting treatment once you're ready or, you know, starting a path where you're on your way to a more healthy life. Where you kind of also take back control in a way. Yeah. Because right now, yeah. You chose to continue breastfeeding and then, you know, just dealing with this through or treating this through like the, like you said, the topical treatments and whatnot. So it is a form of control when you actually get out of that moment of, you know, just dwelling in that abyss of negativity. Cause I think we always find ourselves in that black hole of just like feeling sad for ourselves and stuff like that. And I, and I, like we said earlier on, we agree with that. You should, but to a certain extent, you should also help yourself too. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to help you if you don't help yourself. Thank you so much, Pari, for sharing this, for sharing your story, for being so raw and honest, because sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need the hard truth. We don't want to just cover everything up and pretend everything is okay and sugarcoat it. This is this is a hard thing to go through, you know? And again, your fertility journey was a hardship in itself. And then, you know, just motherhood is also a hardship in itself. It's a blessing, but it's something new that, you, yeah. you know, but it's, it's an incredible because like you said, you felt like you were always made for this. You're always made to be a mother, mashallah. And honestly, we see it it's the love that you have for your son is incredible is there any last piece of advice that you have for any woman that is listening to this that might be going through alopecia or maybe just hair thinning in general or any struggle or any hardship in today's world yeah i think find the people who you trust to support you reach out to them because you will be surprised how much how much that can help you get through these things like if i didn't have support from my friends and community like it would have been so much harder to get through this and love yourself in any state. It doesn't mean that you have to accept that this is the way you want to look. You don't have to accept that, but accept that you are beautiful inside and out, no matter how you look. Love yourself. Honestly, like that's the most important thing. Like I said, the first two weeks this happened, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror, mirror and I was disgusted by myself. And now I look way worse than I did at that point in terms of my hair loss, but I love myself and I have no problem looking in the mirror because I look at the person I'm looking at, not the hair that's framing my face or that I wish was framing my face. So yeah, I think that's my most important message is just love yourself inside and out. That is a very, very important message. Just be gentle with yourself. I think we're very harsh with ourselves. Yeah. If you know we're we're gentle with our loved ones, our family, our friends, just you know, make sure you're you're that way with yourself too. You know, and I think that's a reminder for myself, reminder for all of us. I, we we tend to forget to be a little bit more kinder yeah. to ourselves. You know, give ourselves a break for once. You know, so thank you, thank you so much, Free. You're incredible, inspirational, and we truly, truly love you and your cute little family. Honestly, just keep sharing those <laughs> posts because I just love. See, I do like, too, mashallah. Two little chubby babies. I love it, mashallah. <laughs> and to every mom out there, honestly, all you mothers are just so incredible. Dealing with the pandemic, dealing with e-learning, yes. dealing with just even just, you know, maintaining your house and having your kids. and It's a lot. So we can't thank you guys enough. Thank you to all the ladies that have like come on our podcast, including you, Parade. This is your second debut, and we absolutely love you. I wish we could have you on all the time. All the time, seriously. But, I would love to be on all the time. I love to yes. talk. Thank you guys so much for highlighting this issue. I mean, 
mean, again, yeah, this is an issue whether you have thinning hair, you're shedding a little bit, postpartum shedding alopecia, it's a big deal. And let yourself feel it. Um, find that support you need. And, you know, thank you guys again for highlighting this really important issue that I think women don't talk about enough. People don't talk about enough. Yeah, I think it's good to normalize it and let people know it's okay and there's help out there. And that's the perfect way to end this conversation. Thank you, Paris. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks. Bye. I honestly can't thank Dr. Sada and Pari for just, you know, coming on here and talking about a topic that I perceive to be very sensitive. You know it what is I mean? a sensitive topic. We discussed it in the introduction. We discussed it in both of the episodes that it is. It's something that we don't want to talk about it because it could be debilitating at times. And to some people, it might be, oh, they're so vain and Ugh, whatever. But it's not. It's not. Any part of your body is still a part of your identity. And any change that you're not in control of, it will truly scare you. Vanity or not, physical or not, it still honestly scares you. And I, I love that brought up that point but is there anything that you've implemented in your life since we've had this episode you know because we had this discussion like a few weeks back is there anything that you've changed about your hair routine or anything like that there really has it's i've learned a lot from this episode and that's why i love these conversations because Denny and i always say it's like we're getting free services free advice free therapy when we do these um episodes but for me i try to i mean i still take warm showers and not like you know cold or whatever but i lower the temperature on my shower so i'm not taking you know red hot skin showers anymore I'm not brushing my hair when it's wet because that's when I notice the most hair fall is when I brush my hair when it's like soaking wet right out of the shower so you used to do that I used to do that oh but I have a wet brush and I okay. would use that sometimes but now I use it when my hair is damp not like right after the shower that's what I'm thinking because that's what I'm scared of I feel like my hair is like really tangled when I come out of the shower so it's like that the last thing I think of is like putting a brush to it so I wait till it's dry but the one thing that I need to start changing is not using the blow dryer on my hair as soon as I get out of the shower yes. because I think we mentioned this in the episode you need to allow your hair to be at least 70, 60 to 70% dry we did yeah really knowledge is key here because for the past two days I've had my hair up in a bun with some hair oil on it because I've been working from home and yesterday I went to go take a shower and I pulled that scrunchie off and I had like a clump of hair come out and oh I'm my like gosh. oh my god Tragic. look at my hair and then I realized that Dr. Kiani said your hair is falling out normally and when you have your hair up for a while and you take it down you notice this clump of hair come out that's normal hair fall you know it's the more you know that's why these yes. conversations are so important because I feel like these are just such quick fun facts that a lot of us don't know about our body and sometimes we misdiagnose ourselves yeah. like I, we talk about how to diagnose yourself properly making sure you go to the doctors but sometimes we even do the the opposite we like misdiagnose ourselves and we think we're going through something Google more tragic can be our worst enemy it really can honestly but the one thing that i've implemented is you know because when i would come out of the shower i would literally dry i would try to initially dry my hair with a towel mm -hmm. and that's like the worst thing and i said that in the episode and i noticed like the other day i did it and i was like oh my god what am i doing to my hair so i'm going to buy the actual like microfiber towels yes they work amazingly yeah they work amazingly you guys you can find them anywhere yeah. like I, and i'm so mad because i went to target the other day and i totally forgot like that's the one thing i needed but guess what the heck I came out with everything else that I didn't everything need else, yeah. I, like I literally went into Target I'm like I'm gonna buy a microfiber towel because I'm gonna wash my hair tonight I'm gonna make sure I do it. no that's not what I bought but and Target has the yeah. same brand that like a lot of these big stores are selling so you don't need to go and yeah. spend a bunch of money Target has them I really hope you enjoy this episode and inshallah you guys can tune into our next week's unfiltered thoughts inshallah bye